A very good evening and a very warm welcome to everyone who joins us for evening worship, whether you've gathered in the church building or joining with us online. You're all very welcome. Let us bring our praise to God as we turn to Psalm number 66 on page 299. And we'll sing the first six verses. <clears throat> All lands to God in joyful sounds, aloft your voices raise. Sing forth the honour of his name, and glorious make his praise. Say unto God how terrible, in all thy works art thou. Through thy great power thy foes to thee shall be constrained to bow. Psalm 66, the first six verses, all lands to God. Now let us turn to God in prayer. Let us pray. 
It is our great joy and privilege, O God, our Father, that we gather together a small company of your people this evening. We draw near that we might truly worship you. O by your Holy Spirit, help us that as we worship, we would do so in spirit and in truth. We thank you for this day. We thank you that this is your own special and hallowed day. We thank you for the natural beauty of it. We thank you for longer evenings of daylight. We thank you for warmer, brighter days. And we rejoice in you, our Creator, who gives us all things richly to enjoy. But we thank you too for the historic beauty of this day. This is the day when the Lord himself, the Creator, rested from all his works. He saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And we bless you for the spiritual beauty of this day. For this day points us to the resurrection morning. This day assures us that Jesus is alive. He's alive today and alive forevermore. And so for all that this day means to us, we bless your holy name. We thank you for your presence with us this morning. Particularly we thank you for that service of baptism. And we bless you for your word and pray that it will find a resting place in many hearts and lives. Now this evening we ask that afresh you will draw near to us as we do to you, that you would meet with us, abundantly bless us, and may your truth be real and abiding in our hearts and lives. Have your own perfect way amongst us. Help us not to strive against you, to argue or debate with you, but help us that we might wholeheartedly surrender our all to you. In these things we pray with the pardon of our every sin and in the name and for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We further lift our hearts and voices in praise as we turn to Psalm 118 on page 399, commencing to sing at verse 24 and reading through to the end of the psalm. This is the day God made, in it will joy triumphantly. Save now, I pray thee, Lord, I pray, send now prosperity. Psalm 118 from verse 24, this is the day God made. 
Our scripture reading is found in Mark's Gospel, chapter 11, the 11th chapter of Mark's Gospel. Let us hear the living word of the living God. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter it you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Say, The Lord has need of it, and will send it back here immediately. And they went away and found a colt tied at the door outside in the street, and they untied it. And some of those standing there said to them, What are you doing untying the colt? And they told them what Jesus had said, and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. And he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. On the following day, when they came from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to see if he could find anything on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. And he said to it, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard it. And they came to Jerusalem, and he entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold and those who, brought, who bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. And he was teaching them and saying to them, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. And the chief priests and the scribes heard it and were seeking a way to destroy him, for they feared him because all the crowd was astonished at his teaching. And when evening came, they went out of the city. As they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. 
And Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. And Jesus answered them, Have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that when he says that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore I tell you that whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father also who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. And they came again to Jerusalem. And as he was walking in the temple, the chief priests and the scribes and the elders came to him. And they said to him, By what authority are you doing these things? Or who gave you this authority to do them? Jesus said to them, I will ask you one question. Answer me and I will tell you by what authority I do these things. Was the baptism of John from heaven or from man? Answer me. And they discussed it with one another saying, If we say from heaven, he will say, Why then did you not believe him? But shall we say from man? They were afraid of the people for they all held that John really was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, We do not know. And Jesus said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. Amen. And we look to the Lord to follow with his blessing this reading of his word. Let us again turn to God in prayer. Father, we acknowledge our need of help. We acknowledge that we need your Holy Spirit to lead us and to guide us into all truth. We cannot fully understand what we have read unless it is revealed to us. But we thank you for the one who is sent to be our teacher. And so we pray that both preacher and hearer alike this evening will rely upon the third person of the Trinity that he might take your word and the things of God and reveal them to us afresh. If something is said or taught that we already know, Lord, help us that we might reinforce it in our hearts and lives. And if we hear something fresh and new, help us to treasure it and to cling on to it. 
that it might be a rich blessing to us. We thank you for this season of the year, this time of Easter, and we pray for the persecuted church, our brothers and sisters in Christ, Some of them have endured long, fierce, fiery trials. Lord, we pray that as we approach the resurrection of Jesus, that you would grant that your servants would be encouraged and strengthened and edified as they meditate upon the death and resurrection of our Saviour. And so we pray that great encouragement, great power and strength will be brought to those who make their stand for Jesus. We cast all our care upon you, for you care for us. And we pray these things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Before we turn to God's Word, we sing from Psalm 24 on page 230. We sing from verse 7 to the end. Ye gates, lift up your heads on high, ye doors that last for aye, be lifted up that so the King of glory enter may. Ye gates, lift up your heads on high.
relying on God's enabling grace we want to delve into our text which is Mark chapter 11 and verse 9 Hosanna blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord on that first day that we call Palm Sunday Jesus rode down the Mount of Olives and into Jerusalem on the back of a young donkey a colt in fulfilment of the words of the prophet Zechariah your king comes to you triumphant and victorious is he humble and riding on a donkey on a colt the foal of a donkey on that day Jesus rode along to the hosannas to the celebration the joy the exuberance the delight of the people but we know it wouldn't even last one week some people get mixed up with the words hosanna and hallelujah and that's understandable hallelujah is a term of expression of praise of giving glory and thanks to God Hosanna is a Hebrew word that mixes exuberant praise to almighty God with a prayer for God to save his people and do it right now perhaps it would be good if our prayers had more hallelujahs and hosannas in them the chant of blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord brings to mind a psalm we have already sung psalm 118 verses 24 to 26 this is the day that the Lord has made we will rejoice and be glad in it here's the hosanna bit save us we beseech you O Lord O Lord we beseech you give us success blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord God knew exactly what he was doing all those years ago when he gave those words to David in the Old Testament the Son of Man has come to the holy city of God the place called the city of David and was recognized as king but the people were not ready for this kind of king And that is why the acclaim of the crowd didn't last a full week. They were expecting a strong deliverer riding on a white horse, not a donkey. A conqueror not expecting what was before them. A man who was meek and lowly. 
The people with their chanting and waving of palm branches were bestowing kinship in the line of the house of David. And in less than six days, Jesus would receive the crown, the crown of thorns. In our Lord's triumphal entry into Jerusalem, he rode upon a donkey. Jesus chose this humble and unassuming way to proclaim that he is the Messiah, the King they were expecting. He chose a procession which was very different from the impression the Roman ones gave to their people. In these processions, rulers or generals would ride on decorated horses or on in golden chariots accompanied by officers in polished armor. It was quite a spectacular spectacular procession compared to the procession of Jesus. But the only way to respond to such a king coming is to say, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now this morning in the context of baptism, Parker very helpfully addressed the subject as in the past and in the future. Well I want to do the same this evening but not as regarding baptism but as regarding the blessedness of the one who comes in the name of the Lord. So let's deal with the past. He is first of all blessed because of where he came from. He came from eternity. You and I, we come out of time into eternity. Jesus came out of eternity into time. John chapter 1 verse 1 In the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. In verse 58 of John chapter 8 Jesus says to the scribes and Pharisees Truly, truly I say to you before Abraham was born I am the writer to the Hebrews chapter 7 verse 3 he is without father or mother or genealogy having neither beginning of days nor end of life but resembling the son of God he continues a priest forever the one who comes in the name of the Lord comes to us from eternity he also comes to us from heaven 
Galatians 4 and verse 4. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of woman, born under the law. John 6 and 33. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the earth, to the world. Also verse 38, the words of Jesus himself. I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. John 3 and 13. No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. He came to us from eternity, from heaven. He came from the Father. John chapter 14 and verse 9. You remember that Philip had said to Jesus, Lord, show us the Father and it will be enough for us. And Jesus said, have I been so long with you? And yet you say, Show us the Father. And Jesus explains. In that day you will know that I am in my Father. And you in me and I in you. And in verses 30 to 31 of the same chapter of John 14. I will no longer talk much with you for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim in me. But I do as the Father has commanded me so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. So we bless God afresh this evening. For the one who comes in the name of the Lord. From eternity. From heaven. From the Father. But he's also blessed. Because of where he is going to. This is the future. He's blessed because of where he comes from. But he's further blessed because of where he was going to. He is going to Jerusalem. That was the point of entering the road that led into the city center to the temple, if you like. We are told in Luke chapter 9 that Jesus set his face steadfastly to go to Jerusalem. The entire message of the gospel revolves around one unique historic event. The sacrificial death of Jesus on the center cross. Concerning this, the writer to the Hebrews says, 
For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. These two words, perfected forever, speak of a sacrifice that comprehends every need of the entire human race. And its effects extend throughout time into eternity. A single sovereign act of God brought together all the guilt and all the suffering of humanity and offered one all-sufficient solution, a sinless saviour. To receive God's solution, we must all make our way to the same place, to the cross of Jesus Christ. This is the reason why the authors of the Gospels devote nearly a third of their length to the final week of Jesus' life. Contrary to the practice of biographers who normally gloss over and devote very little time or space to the death of their subjects, each one of Matthew, Mark, Luke and John give time and a detailed account of the events leading to his death. So he was making his way to Jerusalem, to the cross. He knew more than anyone else what awaited him in Jerusalem. He was going in Jerusalem, he was going eventually to the upper room and what blessed teaching there is there in the upper room when he taught his disciples about servanthood we also need to be obedient to Christ as he was to his father It's easy to celebrate Palm Sunday. It's easy, figuratively speaking, to wave a palm branch and bring praises to God. And to really celebrate our Lord's last procession into Jerusalem. But that is not all that Christ demands from us. He demands that all our actions, all our attitudes, demonstrate our commitment to him. When Jesus rode into Jerusalem, he knew that he was riding to his death. He willingly became the suffering servant And he calls you and I out of the crowd to follow him, to become his true servants. 
he taught his disciples by the washing of feet. Humility in servanthood. Do we trust the Lord enough to really fully obey him? Are we prepared to let go of our valuable possessions, our preconceived ideas? Are we ready to sacrifice all to the Lord, to use as the owners of the donkey did? Are we prepared to do what his faithful servants did and lay at his feet what we have? The Lord needs us. Oh, he doesn't need us in the sense that he cannot do without us because he can but he needs us and he wants us to be his hands to be his feet to be his ears to be his eyes and he wants us to be his voice we are his institutes Sorry, we are his witnesses in the world. And furthermore, in the upper room, he instituted the Lord's Supper. And what a tremendous blessing and encouragement this is. No longer the feast of the Passover, but the Lord's Supper or the Lord's Table where Jesus up to a point started following the traditional ritual of the Passover. Then suddenly he broke in and said, This is my body which is broken for you. This cup is my blood which is shed for you. Do this in remembrance of me. I'm sure there must have been much joy and gladness in the heart of the Saviour as he contemplated sharing with his first disciples his last supper. Knowing what it would mean for his disciples and all succeeding disciples who truly love and obey the Lord. But he wasn't going to remain in the upper room. Perhaps the disciples would have wanted that, that they just remain there. But his work on earth was not finished. And so he was going on to Gethsemane. I sometimes listen to pundits regarding football matches or rugby matches. And some of them will say where the match was won or lost. And they will point to a certain area of the team 
or the pitch? Well, here, in a sense, is where the victory of Calvary was won and where the devil lost. Because of those words, those words of Jesus the Son, that if ever a prayer touched the heart of God, surely it was this one of his own dearly beloved Son. Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. The importance of prayer. Jesus prayed while the disciples slept. But not just the importance of prayer, but the importance of submission to the perfect will of God the Father. But Jesus had to go further. And he went on from Gethsemane through Pilate's judgment hall to Calvary to the place called Golgotha. Jesus Christ came to fulfill a mission that involved total obedience to his Father. He did not come to do his own will, but to do the will of him that sent him. Although he was in the form of God, he did not hold on to his rights. He gave up all that he had, assuming a human body and a human nature, humbled himself and became a servant even unto death. He set aside the right to his glory and his power and was obedient all the way to death. Jesus was obedient to such a degree that he was ready not only to die, but also to accept death in its most painful and shameful form. Death on a Roman cross. Death in public. Death in agony. Death without relief. Death without dignity. The cross on which Jesus Christ was crucified was meant for the crucifixion of another person. A man, a criminal named Barabbas, who had been found guilty of rebellion against the Roman government and sentenced to death. When Jesus took his place, it meant that Barabbas was declared not guilty and set free. Barabbas represents each one of us 
we are all guilty of rebellion against God and deserve the results of that rebellion death but Jesus the sinless spotless Lamb of God took our place on the cross that we might be freed from the sentence of death and set free and Christ paid a great price the most horrible form of death crucifixion described as a sadistic form of torture that deliberately prolonged death as long as possible to the Romans it was so shameful that it was reserved for slaves and the worst criminals but it was God's chosen way of salvation Christ died as our substitute he died instead of us so that we might not have to die for our own personal sins so that when Jesus died by faith we die with him Christ has saved us from hell from death from misery from guilt and from punishment it is not enough however that he should die not enough that he shed his blood it must be accepted it must be appropriated and each individual must receive God's provision for himself or herself only then does the precious blood of Jesus atone for sin but he would go further Hosanna blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord and he was going to the tomb he probably didn't know anything about it he was taken down from the cross he was laid in Joseph of Aramea's tomb and next Sunday we look forward to that glorious resurrection shout of he is not here he is risen so that Paul writing to the Corinthians is able to say O death where is your sting O grave where is your victory and we know of course he wouldn't remain in the tomb but he would appear to his disciples he would show them his hands and his feet he would speak peace to them and he would go further he would make his way to the Mount of Olives and there in the sight of his disciples 
he would ascend back to heaven from where he came. He would return to the Father who sent him. And the angels appeared as a cloud received him out of their sight and said, This same Jesus shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. He is blessed because of where he came from. He is blessed because of where he is going to. But finally, he is blessed because of the one in whose name he came. I don't think the crowd that day really fully understood the full significance of their claim. Because Jesus not only came in the name of the Lord, he was coming as Lord. You remember in Exodus chapter 3, Moses asked, Who will I say has sent me when he was asked by God to go to Pharaoh? And here is the answer that God gave Moses. I am that I am. This is my name forever. And this is my memorial to all generations. The entire life of Jesus from birth to ascension. His teachings, his miracles, even his death and resurrection were all explanations and clarifications of God's holy name, Yahweh. Such was his holy powerful name that Jews wouldn't write it in full it was usually confined abbreviated to four capital letters Y-H-W-H Yahweh hidden and revealed spirit and flesh transcendent and present these two beings God the Father God the Son are united and they are united in the name and so this evening we bless afresh the one who is eternally blessed because of where he came from, where he was going to, and because of the name in which he came. May the Lord help us 
to truly rejoice and be glad in such a one who came in the name of the Lord. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for sending your Son. We thank you that when the fullness of time came, you sent forth Jesus to be born of a woman and to fulfill all your purposes for his coming to earth. Oh, help us to hear him, his teachings, his sayings, his words, his promises. Help us to obey him, not partially, but fully. Help us to adore him, to worship him for who he is and what he has done with all that we have and all that we are. And this we pray in the Saviour's name. Amen. We sing in closing from Psalm 72 on page 314 from verse 17 to the end. His name forever shall endure. Last like the sun it shall. Men shall be blessed in him and blessed. All nations shall him call. We have already sung this this morning, but it does no harm whatsoever to sing it again. Verse 18, Now blessed be the Lord our God, the God of Israel, for he alone doth wondrous works in glory that excel. And blessed be his glorious name to all eternity. The whole earth let his glory fill. Amen. So let it be. Let us sing with great blessing to the Lord. His name forever shall endure.
Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all this day and forevermore.